Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is powered by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Attention to Detail, the podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Ayers. So definitely a little bit of a break in between the last podcast and now i was actually over in europe for three weeks a little bit over three weeks doing camps so we went to eight different cities did camps and six of them um was definitely a grind was definitely a little bit unstable in terms of internet connection and uh reliable places to film podcasts and make content and you know it was it was definitely a grind i think there was really only two or three days over the course of the whole trip where we weren't either running a camp or traveling. So every day was definitely a little bit hectic and as a result, didn't get to make any podcast. So apologize for that, but we're back. We're definitely going to uh, to pick this up for sure and make sure that you guys are having your weekly podcast and, and getting some gold from it. So this first episode back is actually going to talk about that Europe tour and what I learned. I think, you know, just seeing so many places over the course of three weeks, um, basketball culture wise, and overall just living wise, human wise, um, culture wise, I think that to me was a priceless experience um, in terms of not only me learning, but also me bringing that perspective or those perspectives back to everyone um, who watches my content or, or is tapped in. So I'll talk about a few things that I learned, give you guys a little bit of background uh, of what we did, what we're planning on doing, um, and then hopefully you guys will kind of take something or at least take some interest uh, in in what we were able to pick up from from being in so many different places and so many cool places at that. So a little bit of background to it, uh, won't go on too long with this, but essentially set off on that journey in early April, um, we went to eight cities. Uh, so that was, we started in Paris, we went to Oslo, Norway, from there went to London, from London, 
wow, I can't. Oh, we went to Lake Como in Milan, Italy. Um, from there, we went to Vienna, Austria, then to Amsterdam, then to Munich, Germany, and to Madrid. So I'm having a tough time even recalling all these places. But uh, like I said, it was definitely a little bit of a grind. It was it was tough kind of getting used to a place in two or three days and then leaving. But that was the point of the trip, right? The point of the trip was to go over there, not only run camps and meet all these hoopers and coaches, right? We did coaches clinics as well in a couple of different uh, of the of the stops, but it was also just to get over there and learn from these people and learn about not only the basketball culture, which was a lot of it, but also just how other people live and pick up different perspectives. And, you know, I've always been told that traveling as a whole will just completely enlighten you to new things. Uh, and that definitely didn't disappoint. You know, all the people who have told me that weren't lying from a basketball standpoint, I picked up so much, uh, built a lot of relationships, but also just kind of learned so much about how they do things, you know, how we can play a part in improving that and and boosting the excitement behind their basketball culture, but also what we can learn from them. Basketball is, I don't want to say night and day over there, but it's definitely a little bit different. And we can learn some things in the States, right? We can learn some things about how European basketball is done and then applying that to our culture. So that was the point or a couple of the main points. We're not only getting over there and, and putting on a great experience for all these athletes and coaches, but also to pick up, you know, a ton of stuff from over there and bring it back here and, and use that for the future. So a few things that we picked up myself and the team, I keep saying we, I also had uh, my content creator cam with me, uh, my guy Davis as well to help out with the camps. And then my, uh, my longtime friend and brother Amir, AKA third eye. Um, he is an artist and came over there as well, just to be a part of the team and give a different perspective to, uh, some of the, some of the campers and, and athletes. So that was good, uh, to have the team with me. So if you guys keep hearing me say we, that's what I mean by that. So number one, First thing I learned was just the overall excitement behind basketball, right? I put something up on TikTok and Instagram, uh, literally just saying, yo, I think I think the basketball culture is a little bit more excited over here, right? Not that it's a better basketball culture, not that more people play, but that there's a little bit more excitement. And although I got a lot of pushback on that, I'm sticking to my guns on that because I truly believe that. Number one, when there are less people in a group or in a society, in a community, there just seems to be a little bit more excitement because it's it, that's inherent to a smaller group, right? It's still, I don't want to say starting over there. Uh, each country has its different uh, ages in terms of the basketball culture. Some are more established than others. But I think overall, since there are less people playing, that excitement is still there. Whereas like in the States... Most people grow up playing basketball in some form. It's just kind of something we do. It's, you know, we start taking it for granted. Whereas over there, they do not take it for granted. Like every single player who was in there was locked in, engaged, excited, asking questions. And as a coach, you can see this, right? Maybe not from an athlete standpoint, from but from as a as a coach, right? And I'm coming in there and I'm working with these players. I'm interacting with them. I'm being asked questions and, and talking to other coaches, like every single one of these guys and girls 
were fully locked in in the clinic. And it's, it's tough to almost put your finger on sometimes. But I truly believe the vibe over there was different than anything I've ever gotten in the States. Not that it's bad over here. Like we have the best basketball culture in the world and probably always will. I don't want to bet on that, but good chance. But the basketball over there is still there's such a spark behind it, if that makes sense. Right. It's it's still growing. So everyone is still, you know, so hype about everything that goes on. Um, so that was really cool to see. And I truly believe that right now they're depending on the city five, uh, 10 to 15 years behind what we're doing in the States right now, simply because basketball has been a thing in the States for longer. But I think that's going to catch up. I think that's going to accelerate with social media. They're seeing everything that we're doing over here in the States and they're maybe not replicating it, but they are pulling from what we're doing, incorporating some of the training and some of the culture, some of the energy that we've developed, whether that's mixtapes, whether that's private training culture, whether that's style of play, like even some of the the games that we went to, I was like, yo, this doesn't look like European basketball. And they're like, yeah, it's because they see so many videos on social media of American hoops and high school games and stuff that some of the coaches are starting to even teach the American style or encourage that kind of ISO, whatever you want to call it, American style of play. So I think the rest of the world is catching up. And that's partly because of the excitement behind basketball. Number two was dealing with language barriers as a coach, right? So I would say this is an interesting one because of course the basketball court isn't the one place you're going to be dealing with language barriers. Like if you go to a restaurant in some of these places, it was tough to communicate uh, and you figure out how to work around that. Now, a lot of these places, they spoke very widespread English, depending on the country, of course, but some of the countries were a little bit less than others. And those we kind of used as a challenge, right? We tried to maybe pick up some of their words. We tried to use body language or we tried to do as much as we could to break that, maybe not break down, but, but lower that barrier a little bit. And I think this applied well to the basketball court. And I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it was, a, it was a good thing, actually, <laughs> you know, because I think the best way to learn and, and improve as a coach, as a trainer is put yourself in these situations where it's not easy anymore. When we're in, when I'm in the gym, at least in Miami, you know, I don't really try to communicate in new ways because it works well. Like I, I don't really have much trouble communicating with people. I've read a ton of books on it, X, Y, Z, whatever. But I think the best way to improve as a coach is realizing, number one, you don't need to say much. So even if a player is unable to speak any English at all, theoretically, a lot of these young athletes were either able to speak English or could at least understand it. Let's say a few of them couldn't speak English at all. There will be times where I literally did not have to say one word and I can teach them what I want to teach or expose them to what I want to expose them to, which is awesome. And it's cool to see that because then you come back and you're like, I'm saying too much. Like, I don't I need to shut up sometimes because if I can get this point across with zero words, why not do it? Why do I cloud their mind or, or fill their brain with words when athletes, for the most part, in my experience and a lot of the research says this as well, learn best through seeing and through observational learning. So you see that 
And then number two, you also see like, damn, maybe I'm not as good at communicating as I thought I am. Because when everyone, when I'm using big words or, you know, certain terms that are slang or whatever, it's easy to communicate in your little circle. But once you get outside of that, you know, which inherently we all want that to happen for the most part, you got to be able to adapt to that just like a player would have to be able to adapt to a different team or a different situation. So I think that's a great way to challenge ourselves. I've worked with players through a language barrier before, not as consistently as I did on this trip, obviously. And, you know, I'll literally find myself like seeking out some of the athletes in the sessions that didn't speak the best English and not only challenging myself by communicating with them more, but also, you know, making them feel more welcome because obviously as if you put yourself in their shoes, it's tough. If you, if you speak English, obviously you do listening to this podcast for the most part, imagine yourself in a situation where somebody is speaking a completely different language. You can barely understand it and you almost feel like you get left behind in a session. So I made at least a concerted effort to go out and help those athletes, those young athletes uh, learn and and feel more comfortable, even though there was a language barrier. Because I think a lot of times we see a language barrier as just that, a barrier, right? It kind of prevents us from communicating. When a lot of times it's actually an interesting way to create a cool connection without even talking to each other, which is cool. Number three, Uh, And this is one of the funny ones, the funniest ones. uh, And I could go on and on about this one, but just like the little cultural differences. So not even between the states and Europe. So there's a lot of that, but also just between the the different cities, different countries, how many differences there were in the culture. So I think, I mean, even the food, right? I came back to the states and I've been feeling like dog shit the last three days because Apparently, and I've been reading up on this, a lot of the stuff that's in our food in the States is banned in Europe. I mean, we know that American food and and portion sizes and overall just health isn't really top notch. But when you feel it, you feel it. And it's crazy. Like I was eating so much. All of us were eating a ton. And we came back and we actually lost weight. So that was an interesting part, right? It's like something that you don't really think about when you're when you're American until you go over there and experience it. Um, the bathrooms were way different, for example. Like you have different buttons on stuff. The, the outlets are all different. Like you have to buy the adapters. Uh, the metric system is something, you know, that just it's it's the when you walk up to somebody and you say, yo, I'm 170 pounds. I wear a size 11 and a half. And they look at you crazy. You're like, ah, shit, this is different. And again, in America, we're the only people that really use that. So it's one of those things where you have to adapt to these cultural differences, right? No one is fat. Like we saw probably two fat people the entire time, which again is a testament to the lifestyle that these people live. They walk everywhere. The activity and movement is more ingrained into their society. Their food is way better and more reasonable. Um, so there are just a lot of little things, washer and dryer, right? We had to fight to find some of these things sometimes just because a lot of people hang up their clothes. Like nobody in Italy apparently has a dryer for the most part because it's just not part of their culture. So it's like there, I could, again, I could go on and on about these literal, little cultural differences, but you start to realize again, how you have to adapt as 
just a human in general. Uh, obviously, basketball-wise, there are a lot of cultural differences as well that you have to adapt to and language barrier, communication uh, norms. But even just living and being over in a different place for three weeks and seeing the differences is really eye-opening. And I think that leads me into number four, which is just how something we realized is how self-absorbed Americans are. We don't know enough about other cultures, period. Like we live in our little bubble for the most part. Again, I'm overgeneralizing. I'm definitely speaking about myself here and many others that I know, but there are people who are very well-traveled. They're always interested in other cultures. And because of that, you know, that they're not as self-absorbed as the, as the typical American. But we we know so little about other cultures, right? And it's so cool to learn about other cultures, other people, other ways of life. We can learn from these people. And I think a lot of European people, for the most part, they pick up on this. And they kind of see Americans as these cocky, self-absorbed, greedy people. And it's justified, right? I mean, like, let's be real. We probably don't know as much about french culture or spanish culture or german culture as we should and again it's i'm not saying that everyone should just inherently learn about this stuff because it's not you don't just pick this stuff up going through your day-to-day life you have to actually go to these places or make an effort to learn about it but i do think that americans should at least make an effort to connect with people overseas or uh be somewhat in tune with what's going on at least broadly in Europe or in Asia or in other countries. Um, Cause again, everything is, is, you know, a lot of the social currency these days is American. Like most of these people listen to rap music. Most of these people, most of their TikTok is in, you know, English and they're, they're looking at American influencers. So it's much easier to learn about American culture than it is to be an American and learn about European culture. But I think the second you start to make that effort, the more your eyes are open to everyone lives in different ways. It's really cool to see. And we can actually take some of these things from these people, build these habits into our own lifestyle and actually improve it that way. Number five is the difference between each country, even considering how close in proximity they are. So, I mean, all these flights were literally like an hour. Like that's what everyone says about Europe is once you get there, it's crazy easy to navigate and and get around. And we would literally fly from, say, like a, a a Germany, like a Munich where we were, to Madrid, and it's night and day. Like culture, language, people, night and day. And it's like an hour-long flight, or maybe a little bit more, but short. It's So it's not like – and you get some of this in the States, right, where it's like you fly from D.C. to Alabama, and they're vastly different. But it's, it's even – the difference is definitely even more pronounced in – Europe. And this is also goes for the basketball culture, right? We flew from Norway to Italy to, sorry, from Paris to Norway to London. All through these basketball cultures were completely different, right? Paris was a little bit more of an established basketball culture. Uh, the French national team did very, very well in the Olympics. They have plenty of NBA players. The culture is, is growing for sure. The infrastructure is there. There are more gyms et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You fly straight to Norway, which is an hour flight. And it's like, yeah, if somebody's holding a basketball on the street, I probably know them because it's such a small community. And of course it's growing, but the differences in in terms of the level of engagement there 
is huge. And then you fly to London, which is, again, another short flight. And it's back to the really established basketball culture, maybe not as uh, successful professionally as a France, but now they have more private training, right? So they're, they're kind of getting into the culture of like private training, what I do, what a lot of coaches and independent coaches and trainer do, trainers do these days. Um, so you start to see all these little differences in the countries and they're so close, which is crazy. Uh, but I think, again, they're going to start to all even out at some point or not necessarily even out, but get to the same level. But it's cool culturally and within basketball, how much these countries differ and how much you have to adapt when you bounce around so quickly, uh, even though they're so close. And then lastly, number six is I truly did not even realize how much of an impact we can have, right? I didn't realize how many people followed my stuff. So many people came up and like, yo, I've been watching your videos since you didn't even have like a voice on your videos. It was just text. I'm like, yo, that's fucking crazy. Like it, that was six, almost seven years ago. And people have been tapped in since then and following. And people are like, yo, I saw you were in, I don't know, Hawaii earlier this year. I'm like, yo, how? And they're like, oh, I've been following you for four or five years. You know, you've inspired me to open my own gym. You've inspired me to do this, to do that. You know, you've, you've taken my game to the next level. And to see that type of stuff is absolutely insane. It's truly a testament to the power of not only the internet and social media, but when you devote everything you have to a passion and to sharing that information and to putting stuff out for free and to learning so that you can share that learning and giving everything you have every single day to creating that global platform where people can just learn and pick pick up stuff from you and apply it it's truly a testament to how that can affect so many people and you know that's motivation moving forward to me that is definitely something that has lit a spark under me even more obviously i mean that the entire trip before the entire trip i was crazy motivated to continue this but now it's like seeing how many people can not only use my stuff on a daily basis but actually attribute that to what they've done or any of their successes is is wild it it is truly insane and it's something that i'm carrying with me and making sure that i don't let these people down and i only grow this more and more create more and more of an impact globally and that's somewhat of where we're taking our business now is you know everyone is is kind of focused on their own little bubble we want to get outside of that bubble it may take longer may not be as successful financially at first at least but get outside of that bubble learn about other people understand how they do it and truly play into the fact that basketball is becoming a global game so those were six little things that i learned about or learned on this trip to Europe. It was an amazing experience. I would suggest that everyone does something of this sort at some point. Again, it doesn't have to be running camps over there. I'm blessed to have developed a platform where I can do that. Um, but it could literally just be going over there and, and connecting with coaches and going and stopping by their gym. And it doesn't have to be three weeks. It could be a couple of days, whatever. But just try to get outside of your comfort zone. Try to think about ways you can grow the game globally. And just find ways to open your eyes and your perspectives to 
what other people are doing, how other people are living and how basketball is developing worldwide. So those are my wise words, I guess, for today, my my old head words for today. But hopefully you guys enjoyed this hearing about my trip to uh, to Europe uh, and everything that went into it. So I also have a vlog coming out on this uh, two parts. I was going to release it in one part, but it's literally going to be over like an hour, 20, hour and a half because there's so much stuff that went into it. So stay tuned for that. Or if it's already out, go check it out. It'll be on the YouTube page under vlogs or grow the game. Uh, one of those playlists. So feel free to go watch that. See everything that went into the trip. And yeah, just con- continue to stay tuned. We've got a lot of really cool podcast topics coming soon. So always love to have you guys tapped in. Appreciate you guys for listening. As always, I'm out.